0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number, 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is Leah at ComeBackToYourSenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leia Brenda Smith.
1: Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and thanks for tuning in to come back to your senses radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. Today's show is about all about meaningful habits of happy people. And just before we get started, if you're looking for me on the internet, you can find me at my personal website, which is leabrendasmith.com. On Facebook, at the radio show page, come back to your senses radio, or my other Facebook uh, account, which is uh, Leah Brenda Smith. And then also, I just wanted to mention on my uh, personal website, leabrendasmith.com. If you cl- go there and click um, click on the top on a radio host. It gives you a whole list, right from um, for 2013 of all the shows that I have done, just in a straight list with active links that take you right to the the host page. And as well, there's a uh, another click that takes you into the archives for 2012. So all the shows that I did last year are there. And um, I just find some folks have been asking me about um, recommending shows or having difficulty because the way they're posted on the the host page on the radio show pages just by month and you have to actually click and expand the month to see. So if you're looking for a whole list where you can just go through all of the uh, 82 shows or whatever it is to date, you can uh, just go through and look for the, the shows that might have uh, topics that are more particularly interesting to you or things you might want to review or even recommend to other people. So it just was brought to my attention this week that that's an easy way to... Look through and find what you might be looking for. So now let's settle in here to this topic for today: meaningful habits of happy people. Hmm. I want to just start today with a uh, with a definition of happiness, and uh, really, one definition I found is that it's really it can be referred to as a mental or emotional state of well-being and that it's this state is characterized by positive or pleasant emotions that can really range from just a feeling of contentment if you like or inner peace really on the other end of the spectrum to feelings of intense joy and somewhat even include bliss in that characterization and to understand that happiness is really made up of a variety if you like of biological, physiological, psychological, religious and philosophical really approaches if you like that that all of these approaches have tried to define what happiness is and to de- identify really what is the source what is the true source of happiness and there's various research groups, including positive psychology, uh, that really try to apply a scientific kind of approach or method to answer that question about, well, what is happiness? And how might it be attained? And then also, if you like asking such fundamental questions like, it has a fundamental importance to the human condition. And you think of that, uh, the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which were deemed to be unalienable rights by the United States Declaration of Independence. So there is something to this happiness, <clears throat> the pursuit and the attainment of happiness, and the experience of of being able to find the way to have that be present in your daily life. You know, the philosophers and uh, religious thinkers often define happiness in terms of living a good life or flourishing, you know, the, the thriving, not just surviving. And this is seen happiness is seen this way rather than just as an emotion, as we others may seem to just think, "Oh, happiness is an emotion, and you're either feeling happy or you're not, but that it could really be about living a good life, flourishing, thriving, not just surviving and hmm. to share with you a, a quote from Dan Milman. Uh, he uh, is the author of one of the books he wrote was called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And he says, I'd always believed that a life of quality, enjoyment, and wisdom were more human birthright. That they were my human birthright and would be automatically bestowed upon me as time passed. I never suspected that I would have to learn how to live. That there were specific disciplines and ways of seeing the world that I had to master before I could awaken to a simple, happy, uncomplicated life. And that's from Dan Millman. Imagine that, the link to happiness and the idea that that we would have to learn how to live. Hmm. learn how to live imagine if um if uh, they had classes like that in elementary school about learning how to live and learning who we are as human beings i think that would be fantastic I'd like to sign myself up to teach classes like that in elementary school that would be such a hoot So I think of these ideas of what Dan Millman is expressing there, you know, and and really that's an interesting idea and notion that we have to learn how to live in order to have the experience of happiness. Now, if have developed, if you like, a mindset and a culture of striving, you know, striving to be better, to get somewhere other than where we are. And we have a notion that somehow we are flawed and that we need to be fixed or that we need to solve something. Or perhaps even to uncover some grand mystery that keeps us striving for something that may always seem to be just right on the, on the periphery of our lives. And if that's really what's going on with us, then we're constantly left with this kind of sense or this feeling that we're almost there. And, you know, accordingly, you know, many of these ideas that loom in the air around us, where's that answer to the question, are we there yet? You know, we'll always have that resounding no, that we're not there yet. As long as we continue to strive for something that is not where we are and who we are and how we are in the present. Let's just take a moment and think, you know, ask yourself, where is there? You know, where is that there that you're constantly trying to get to? And what is it that you are exhaustively trying to attain or to achieve? Now, I'm always struck by um, by a notion that Abraham Hicks is uh, always uh, constantly trying to infuse in the information that's shared in all of the uh, Abraham Hicks um, workshops. And I keep hearing, you know, life is about having fun. That you're here to enjoy yourself. That life's about joy. Yet we seem to have this idea of that the joy or the happiness is at the other end, on the other side of the striving for something. Now, in early years, um, I could hear myself uh, repeated, you know, musing kind of inside. Sometimes I would hear myself saying, well, I'm not unhappy, as if I was trying to answer my own question about, am I happy? And I'd say, I'm not unhappy, which is certainly very different from being happy. And then to just be struck in some moments with not even realizing that I have any thought in my mind at all about my level of happiness when I hear myself resounding to myself, I'm happy. What a moment of happiness. This is happy. Sometimes even being able to identify the feeling, the tone, the state of being, if you like, that is part of happy, can be quite something. It kind of um, uh, can move in on you and sweep you up, so to speak. Now, I, I noticed also that the times, if I kind of look over, review sort of my life or different times in my life, it seems to me that I was always the happiest when I was engaged in, in serving others in some way. And that also when I felt grateful for what it was that I was able to do or to contribute or what was really going on in my life. You know, I recognized then that serving others was only half of the equation. And that I was not really able to maintain for any length of time my own personal sense of balance and happiness unless I was equally serving myself well. And so in my life now i understand the equation in the balance the balance of happiness that balance of self-care and serving others that they they do they do go hand in hand and what a great thing to discover you know there's a there was an article in the uh, huffington post by kate uh, bratsker and she reported on uh, some findings from martin Seligman, who is sometimes touted as the father of positive psychology, and he theorized that 60 percent of happiness is determined by genetics and environmental factors, and that the remaining 40 percent is really what what, as individuals is really our area of responsibility, so to speak, uh, or falls under our jurisdiction. You know, and uh, there was a a TED Talk that uh, uh, Seg Loebman gave in 2004, and he described in that talk three different kinds of happy lives. He referred to the pleasant life in which you fill your life with as many pleasures as you can. And the second was the life of engagement, where you found fulfillment in your work or through parenting or through your love connections and your leisure activities. And then the third kind of life that he described was a meaningful life, which he said consists of knowing what your greatest strengths are and then using those strengths to cultivate a sense of belonging to community and in the service of something that is larger than yourself. So those three types of happy lives the pleasant life, the engaged life, and the meaningful life. And really, in the final analysis, it seemed that the first kind of a happy life, the pursuit of pleasure, had very little influence on a person's experience of lasting fulfillment. And all the research findings indicated that pleasure is more like, if you like, the whipped cream and the cherry on the top that lends sweetness to the lasting fulfillment that can be found when a person simultaneously pursues activities that have meaning and have engagement. So even though it might sound like a tall order to seek out activities that are laced with meaning and engagement, when instant gratification can be obtained, if you like, through the pursuit of pleasure, Happy people have meaningful habits that anyone can incorporate into their daily life. And happy people tend to engage in activities that add to their pursuit of meaning and also that keep them motivated. And some of these um, habits uh, are described as that happy people surround themselves with other happy people. And that certainly makes a lot a lot of good sense. And the idea of smiling when you mean it, so that authentic kind of smiling is a characteristic habit of a of a happy person. And that happy people cultivate resilience. You know, think of that uh, Japanese proverb of fall seven times and stand up eight times. And that's a good example of that idea of cultivating resilience. The happy people try to be happy. They focus on happiness. They're mindful of the good things in life and appreciate just simple pleasures And happy people tend to devote some of their time to giving. And they let themselves lose track of time to be so engaged in the moment that they lose track of time. They tend to bypass small talk in order to engage in deeper conversation. And they spend money on other people. Not only on themselves. Happy people tend to make a point to listen and really be present with others. So, not just focused on being interesting, but to be interested and to be a good listener. And they put great value in face to face communication and personal connections. Rather than just communicating via email or telephone or texting, they look on the bright side of life. You know, being able to, uh, to find, to find the good, the goodness in what's going on. They value music. And happy people tend to be very willing to unplug from all the electronic devices and the, uh, the fast-paced multimedia type of uh, way of living that they're able to unplug when it's time to pursue other activities. Generally speaking, it's thought of that happy people tend to um, connect spiritually. And they make exercise a priority in their lives. They go outside and make sure that they have that time out in nature and breathing fresh air and communing with the natural world and also, happy people tend to have great value they really value the um, really value rest and the time that we need to replenish our body and our mind through sleeping. And it's said that happy people tend to laugh out loud. And I find this one interesting also, that happy people tend to walk their talk, if you like. Their actions and their deeds and their words all match up. So as a beginning to today to identify some of the characteristics and traits, some of the meaningful habits of happy people. And Dr. Robert Holden, he's a, he's a happiness author, if you like, a happiness coach. He publishes books through Hay House. And he suggests that there's 10 different areas of life to focus on that can increase your happiness. And he uh, had to put together a, um, if you like, a happiness test or a way that you could gauge yourself um, uh, what your happiness quotient is, if you like, or how you're doing on your own happiness scale. Yeah, and each of the the ten areas is is uh, prefaced actually with um, uh, the questions, the ten questions that that he has you ask yourself in terms of determining what your level of happiness is, and. I've paraphrased some of the this work, and um, I'd like to uh, I'm doing this really to encourage you to ask yourself these important questions. You know, sometimes we need to shift our thinking away from old ideas. You know we all have old ideas of happiness and what it is to pursue that. And we may it may be a good time in life to really recreate whatever your criteria is. Sometimes we're operating out of old, old, outmoded ideas, things that may have served us at an earlier time in life, and we forget to kind of take personal inventory so that we can shift our focus or let go of things that maybe we've graduated from or achieved already or even outgrown, and, and our life experiences show us a different way or a more effective way. So some of the things I'm going to share with you can help you to do that as well and help you to develop some newer, maybe more meaningful habits, or to even tweak some areas of your life where your happiness quotient may be lagging behind. So the first area that, uh, that Robert um, Holden identified is really about yourself. And so the question would really be, to rate yourself from this point of view, is, I know who I am and I like myself. So how true that is for you would be one of your answers to the question in terms of how happy you are. I find it's important to realize that happiness is really our natural state. And it's the state that we were born into It's the state that we're in before we take on an identity, before we identify with having a body, with being a boy or a girl. So happiness is really our pure original state before we become socialized and take on the conditioning of our families and our school dynamics and the society and culture, wherever it is that you you grow up. so true happiness really comes from being authentic to your true nature. So essentially, the better you know yourself and explore what makes you tick or what inspires you or think of the things you love, the more potential that you'll have then to experience pure happiness. And it seems that it's Really, during times when we forget about our true nature, that we get in this habit of beginning to search for happiness. And when that happens, then we search for happiness outside of ourselves, searching for things to make us happy. And it's good to recognize, really, that, you know, if you like, your DNA is wired for happiness, That's how we're created and set up. And that the path to happiness is not the pursuit of things that you assign meaning to with an attitude that I'll only be happy when I have the perfect home or job or relationship or whatever it is that you have assigned your happiness to. It's good to acknowledge that happiness exists within us all of the time. And it's actually through states of relaxation that happiness naturally rises to the surface. It seems that through a state of relaxation we make room for happiness to emerge. And the way that that can happen is because happiness is one of the basic ingredients of who we are. If you like, it's the natural state of your soul. So happiness is not something to achieve, but it's more something you accept and you allow. And then the second area that uh, Robert suggests focusing on is, is your relationships. And the way of gauging where you are in your happiness with that would be the experience of, you know, my most important relationships get my best attention, and then you can say how true or not true that is for you in terms of your own level of happiness. You know, uh, Robert suggests that relationships are really at the heart, really they are the heart of happiness. And social research has found that rich and satisfying relationships are the only external factors, if you like, that can move someone from being quite happy to being very happy. But there's a really common mistake that people get into because they get busy pursuing happiness. And they get into pursuing happiness and their best time and energy then is not given to their relationships. So it's good to get in that habit, you know, of reminding yourself that the heart of happiness is in the connections that you make, you know, in your friendships and in your love relationships with your family, and that really it is about the love that flows between yourself and other people. So if you want to be happy, (laughs) be a friend, identify your most important relationships and think about how you can be a true friend even to your partner to your children, to your parents, to your colleagues, and to the people that you serve. So if you think of your intention to love and be loved is a really important key to happiness. And someone suggests that love is the most fun that you can have with anybody. And in the final analysis... Some would say that there really isn't a difference between happiness and love, that they are, they go hand in hand. Then the third area is that of work. So again, the question is, I have a strong sense of purpose and or I love my work. And how true or not true is that for you? Because many people go to work every day without a sense of enjoyment. And that can be one of the most challenging things in a person's life. You think about the amount of time every day that is spent, you know, or Monday to Friday or whatever your work schedule is. That's a lot of time is spent focused on work or focused on doing something that you don't enjoy. So you can increase your happiness really by making your work more purpose-centered. So if you need help in this area, you might start by identifying for yourself what real success is and what your real value is and what is your real contribution. And through that you can discover how you can be more creative and how can you can really bring more joy and enjoyment into it, how you can enjoy yourself more at work. So basically, the more you can say, I love my work and really mean it, the more happiness you're going to experience. And people who love their work usually feel that they are making making a difference in some way. You know, working working at a cause that they believe in. So if you are challenged in this area, you might want to reflect on what 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 is it that you want to contribute in your work and generally in your life? And think of it that you're not here to seek happiness, but that you're in here to enjoy your life. You know, we're all blessed with many talents, so just to look around you and and see what's needed. And give what appears to be missing. And through that, you'll have a greater sense of enjoying what you're giving and enjoying what you're doing. And then the next area really is about attitude. So you want to gauge this, I choose my attitude most of the time, and how true or not true that is can be a direct reflection on how happy you are. You know, you want to see if you can find a place in your mind where you've already made a decision about how good your day will be, or even how good uh, the year is going to be. This choice can be a very powerful thing. And having more of anything or more of anything will not necessarily make a difference to your happiness until you consciously choose to be happy. So you might like to try setting an intention to be happy and decide to make the day enjoyable, even more so than you thought it was going to be. You know, and robert uh, robert's uh, robert holden's um he does a uh, 8 week happiness program called be happy and he asked his students if they could be happier even if nothing in the world around them changed and in a recent class 100% of the people said yes and there were some common answers to why they thought that they could be happier, even if nothing in the world around them changed. And some of the answers would, were that I could choose to accept myself more, or I could choose to see things differently. I could choose to enjoy my life more, or start making smarter choices. So what we see from these comments is that the common denominator is always choice, So your happiness increases when you stop chasing happiness and start choosing happiness. And then the next area would be gratitude. So I appreciate my life as it happens. That's the gauge. How true or false is that for you? And Robert suggests that there are two meta-attitudes that can significantly increase your happiness. The first one is gratitude. You know, gratitude has that way. It can really shift your perception in such a way that it changes the world that you see. And gratitude changes your brain. It changes your brain chemistry when you express gratitude. So the more you practice gratitude, the more you will find things to be grateful for. And it seems that one of the greatest gifts of gratitude is that the more grateful you are, the more present you become. You know, in English, the word present has three different meanings. It means here, it means now, and it means a gift. And practicing gratitude teaches you that the greatest gifts are always available to you in the present, always in the now. So one of the ways to practice gratitude is just to start expressing it. Now you can just think about who you are truly grateful for in your life or what you're grateful for, and then realize how happy, how happy you'll make the other person as well as yourself when you express your gratitude. Because gratitude always blesses the giver and the receiver. And the next idea, the focus is forgiveness. So the question would be, I'm good at letting go of past hurts and disappointments. And then your happiness is gauged on how well you do that. Now you could think of that happiness is easy and natural until you experience being wounded in some way. And so for that reason, the second meta attitude that makes a big difference to your happiness is forgiveness. So there's gratitude and forgiveness. Because you can't hold on to a grievance and be happy. And you can't be a victim and be happy. So, when you hold on to grievances or hold on to things that happen, then that decision, doing that, that focus continues the suffering. And forgiveness helps you to let go, and in the letting go, it helps to increase your happiness. We all know resentment keeps us stuck in the past, and that forgiveness brings us back to the present. And someone suggests that forgiveness ensures that you have longevity. It opens your heart, it heals the past, and it increases your happiness. And then the next focus is humor. So the question would be, I know how to have fun, and I do. So really, in order to be happy, it's important to accept the idea that it's not your circumstances that make you happy. You know, happiness research studies reveal that for the most part, people who score high on the happiness test don't necessarily have better life circumstances. So the determining factor seems to be that happy individuals appear to know how to enjoy their life. It's not because of their circumstances. And you know, that quote from Woody Allen is most of the time, I don't have very much fun And the rest of the time, I have no fun at all. So just think of, you know, good humor. In good humor, there's always an element of truth. But sometimes we're so preoccupied with pursuing happiness that we're forgetting to enjoy our lives. We've promised ourselves that we'll enjoy life after we're happy. But you can increase your happiness immediately by being more spontaneous, by being more present and just responding to whatever is going on around you in any given moment. Rather than being held up, if you like, in your mind and in your pursuits and in your energy with that idea of, I'm working hard, doing this now so that I can be happy then. Good. Then the next area is health. So here's the question. I look after myself and take care of my well-being. And clearly, if you're neglecting yourself, that's not a road to happiness. And sometimes when we're pursuing happiness, then we become kind of estranged from ourselves. We lose that sense of connection and contact with ourselves. So it's good to take some time to really check in with yourself, catch up with yourself, to ask yourself, how are you doing? You know, listen to your heart and listen to how you're really feeling. It's important to give yourself some of your own best care and attention. You know, some some of us get caught in this trying to be strong and to be positive and to keep going, but it's important to be honest with yourself. Ask yourself what you need. What do I need now? How can I be kind to myself? You know, nobody has ever suffered from taking too much good care of themselves. When you treat yourself better, then you'll experience more happiness. It'll be automatic. And the next area is really the area of spirituality. So here's the question. I know what inspires me, supports me, and gives me strength. You know, according to um, the psychological research, if you're committed to a spiritual path in your life, then you're twice as likely to say that you're very happy. Spirituality tends to give people a context for their lives a context that's greater than, if you like, what your own ego can perceive, which is really basically focused on your self-image and your identity and that illusion of being separate. That smaller self just assesses things from how everything looks on the outside. But a spiritual practice helps you to connect to what's really going on and what's going on on the inside. And that is more the key to increasing your happiness. Now, the essential aim of any spiritual practice, whether it's meditation or prayer or yoga or tai chi or chanting or whatever your preference is, really the point of it is to help you to remove, if you like, or resolve or dissolve blocks to your own awareness. Your own awareness, if you like, of the happiness that already exists inside of you in your core. Because spirituality connects you to your own being. And in that way, you don't get lost in the doing and the having. And you're more likely to be in that state of the awareness that your soul, there's joy in your soul. And when you realize that, then you know that you already are what it is that you're seeking. You know, if you're seeking happiness... It's good to realize that happiness is part of who you are. It's an intrinsic ingredient of the recipe that makes up you. Great. And then the, um, the last focus that uh, Robert Holden uh, points out to us is the idea of now. The idea of, I believe, happiness is a way of traveling in life, if you like. If you think of it, your greatest opportunity for healing and for happiness and for enjoyment is always in the present moment. You know, and since the beginning of time, if you like, spiritual teachers have taught their students to be here and to be now, to enjoy the moment, to seize the day. And eventually we all return to that to find our spiritual home, if you like, or to find the true happiness in the core by connecting. You know, Living in the past or in the future is the main cause of unhappiness. And we tend to live in the past or the future because we're under that influence of thoughts and suggestions that happiness is somewhere else, somewhere other than where we are. So the challenges of not being present in your own life are huge. Because when you miss out on the present, you miss out on so much. But it's good news, good news to know that it's never too late to be present and to really show up for your life. And your experience of happiness increases the more present that you are in your life. So that's also very good news. Being present is a real key, a real key to happiness. So Robert says if you want to take your happiness to the next level, you need to recognize the difference between chasing after happiness and choosing happiness. Because happiness is not something that lives outside of you. It's not a destination, and it's not about getting there. So when you stop chasing happiness, you allow yourself to be more present, if you like, more available and more open. And in this way, you can find happiness wherever you are. Now some people spend their whole life in the pursuit of happiness and never really live. No. Can you imagine that? And um some of you may know people like that, or some of you may feel that you've been caught in that kind of an equation yourself. I've certainly felt like that from time to time. You know, and other people get um they get fed up with the idea of waiting for happiness in some future that may or may not ever come to be. And then sometimes, you know, people just stumble upon the realization that the experience of happiness is directly linked to the way that they approach life. And often, really, a simple, uncomplicated life is the key to a happy life. And a psychologist, uh, Sonia Lombrowski, she reports that Results from studies that she conducted revealed 12 things that happy people do differently to increase and maintain their levels of happiness. Do you imagine that? A dozen things that anyone at any stage in their life can start doing today to feel the effects of more happiness in their life. So, expressing gratitude. When you appreciate what you have, then what you have appreciates in value. Cultivating optimism. So having the mindset of a winner, if you like, gives you the ability to create your own optimism. Avoid overthinking and social comparison. This kind of activity can take you down the wrong track. So really acknowledge and celebrate the successes of others as well as your own rather than comparing. Practicing acts of kindness. You know, performing an act of kindness releases the happiness hormone, serotonin, in your brain. You want to nurture your social relationships. Because the happiest people are the ones who have deep, meaningful relationships. And then developing strategies for coping. You know, it's how you respond to a crisis or how you respond to the things in your life that shapes your character. Not the circumstances of life itself, but how you respond to the circumstances. And then learn to forgive. And this will automatically increase your happiness and your well-being. And then the idea of experiencing an increase An increase really in your flow of experiencing, of being in the moment. You know, flow is a state in which it feels like time stands still. You know, you can be involved in activity and look up and several hours have passed and it can feel like only a few moments. And that's really an indication of you being totally in the flow. And this can happen, this idea of time standing still happens when your actions and your awareness, they merge together and you're totally present. And then savoring life's joys. You know, deep happiness cannot exist without slowing down to savor and enjoy the moment. And being committed to your goals. And people report that incredible things start to happen when you wholeheartedly commit to doing something and, you know, creating that kind of single-mindedness of focus. And There's that quote, I'm not sure where it's from, that says, If thine eye be single, thy whole body will be filled with light this idea of the importance of making a commitment to your goals. That single-mindedness brings its own magic, it seems. And then practicing spirituality. is when you practice spirituality or religion, then you recognize that life is bigger if you like than the sum of its parts. And taking care of your body. Taking care of your body is certainly touted as really critical to being happy. Very critical factor in happiness. You know, the, um, there are certain, um, you think of the current research that uncovers what makes people happy, you think we'd be happier. Deepak Chopra shares why choice is the biggest predictor overall of your well-being and what you can do to find lasting happiness. You know, we all know that those goals of achieving wealth or getting rich or getting a promotion or all these things that we think really make a difference in our level of happiness really only affect it to a very small degree we're not really good at predicting, uh, you know, what the, what the future, what will make us happy in the future. And all the world's wisdom traditions really point the individual to things inside, stating that there's a level of the mind that serves as a source of happiness. So it's more potent then for a person to locate what's true in their core rather than things outside of themselves. And what's true in the core is that's where there is peace and silence. And it's common and natural to feel safe and to feel cared for from that place. You know, from that inner calm. And from that place, really then, love and bliss and contentment and happiness are really normal aspects of life. And not just these intermittent experiences that we can arrive at randomly. So a wisdom tradition isn't the same as a religion, right? It isn't faith or the grace of God that's needed to create the kind of happiness that no one can take away from you. The ultimate goal when one follows a wisdom tradition is that you become so established in your core self that external events don't take you away from that inner peace or contentment. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're following Socrates or Buddha, that's just a matter of making choices along the road, choosing one thing over the other, so whichever tradition you do. And the first road, if you like, is the road of pleasure. And when you follow it, you maximize the nice things in your life, well, you minimize the painful things. But even though every wisdom tradition points out that pain cannot be eliminated from life, and that pleasure is always temporary, Yet it's very natural that anyone that's per- pursuing the path would really choose, they choose that path of the temporary pleasure, if you like, or the instant gratification. We've all been there, done that, and still get caught in that from time to time till we wake up and go, oh my, right, that's the temporary fulfillment. That's the going down, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And then the other path is really the path of the, of wisdom. Right? In Sanskrit, there's a term, vidya, which means knowledge. However, it's more, it's better defined as the way to reach the truth. Vidya. So in terms of happiness, the path of vidya would include those choices and values and beliefs that, that actually succeed in making us happy. So Imagine if children were guided from an early age and they could be taught to make these choices. You now, For many people, the first step is to relinquish ourselves from the past, to relinquish ourselves from habits that have taken us down the road of temporary fulfillment in favor of choices and values that can lead a person to a kind of happiness that's based on lasting fulfillment. And so Deepak has a a list, actually, of, of choices, of habits, of values that can really lead us down that road of that happiness that's based on lasting fulfillment. And the first one he suggests is meditation, which opens us to deeper levels of the mind. And then taking actions that benefit other people social relationships that support intimacy and bonding and then inspiration that people can get from reading of uh, scriptures or poetry or other inspired works taking time if you like to take enjoyment in natural beauty And having a vision of personal fulfillment that you follow every day. So have a vision for yourself that is one of fulfillment. And then reducing stress will definitely increase your happiness. And taking time for peaceful reflection. I don't think people do that nearly enough. And you can never do that too much. Just for peaceful reflection to gather and reflect, and then learning to love your own company and cultivating the self as a state of being to be comfortable with yourself, avoiding violence, both inner violence and outer violence. excuse me, avoiding violence and anger in all of its forms. So subtle forms of anger and gross forms of anger, very obvious outward explosive expressions of it, and the subtler, more passive-aggressive kinds of anger. And then resolving conflict. So we want to resolve the conflict that's within us and then the conflict that we may have with others. Rather than letting things build up, that usurps our happiness so much, and the idea of paying one's debt to the past, and Deepak says that this really means healing your old hurts and your old grievances. And stepping away from just sort of being mesmerized, if you like, by group thinking and or second hand opinions and really having your own clear ways about you. And then giving up a belief in enemies and in, you know, the they versus me kinds of thinking and cultivating kindness and compassion and being generous in your spirit you know learning to give and then seeing yourself as part of a larger humanity you know a humanity that is an expression of the divine despite what you might think of as your flaws You know, it might seem like a lot of things and it's really good in in, in um, sharing those with you to see that there is that continuity, whether it's from the positive psychology point of view, whether it's the research from uh, happy people and the information from Robert Holden and the ideas from Deepak Chopra on the values and virtues of a happy life, that there's so much overlapping and so much of a sense of continuity, uh, which is always, always good indication. And even though it might seem like a long list, you know, once you start really to begin to walk the path, if you like, of the vidya, which is a way to reach truth, then once you start in the practice of these things, then your perspective changes. And things that you once thought or believed in, you, you start to see things in a new light and things become easier. You know, it, it makes sense because the old pursuit of happiness with the notion of happiness being outside somewhere is being completely reversed, and you're understanding that the real happiness lives already inside of you, it always has, it always will. It's in every cell of us. It is in every one of us. So we want to understand that that happiness lives within. And so if I could point you in a good direction for yourself, I'd really encourage you to make it your business to ensure that you're getting your daily dose of pleasure. And be mindful to count your grams of enjoyment. And above all else, never hesitate to indulge in a second helping of well-being. It really has been a pleasure to share these ideas, my own personal ideas, and then from these other happiness folks, people that coach about happiness and share with the world about ways to find, to find the beeline to happiness is really inside of yourself. So I encourage you to cultivate these meaningful habits of happy people, and you too can be an example to others in the world of a, of a person that is an example of a person that is happy. I thank you for tuning in to come back to Your Senses Radio. And until next time, I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith, and I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life.
0: you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life thank you for tuning in to come back to your senses radio please join leah brenda smith again next thursday at 1 p.m pacific time 4 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we'll see you next week